Good morning. Uh, if you got your coffee, your food, you're good to go. So uh, grab your, your Bibles. Go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. We'll be there for most of the morning, but I'm going to give you, I mean, tons. I'm breaking a preaching rule. You're not supposed to apparently give people lots of verses, but I'm going to give you tons of verses today. You're going to want to jot them down so you can look them up later. But let's start this morning, part three of our series, Rhythms. Let's start by reading um, the verse where the, the series name comes from. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It's from the message translation of the Bible. If you are new to church and you're new to Jesus, you're new to the Bible and all this kind of stuff, and you're like, what Bible should I read? The message is not a bad one. To start with, it, it takes, Eugene Patterson did a lot of work. He took the Bible and he kind of put it down on just a common language level so that you can read it and understand it. Might not be the best one to study from, you know, but to get an idea. Sometimes I read a verse and I'm like, I think I know what it means. I wonder what it really means. And I read it in a message and I'm like, oh, that's good, right? So um, I would highly recommend it, okay? I don't know if you know this or not, just as giving you little tips that you can win like trivia with. But the USA Today paper, when it first came out, instantly became the best-selling paper in America. Do you know why? Well, yeah, because it's got color pictures. No, because they wrote it on a sixth-grade level. And so people are like, I can understand that. And so they bought it. Anyway, why am I saying that? Because I'm smart and I want to share it. Okay. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 30, from the message translation. Here we go. Here's what it says. Are you tired? Worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Here's our phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So that phrase, unforced rhythms of grace, that's the key phrase for our series. That's why we're calling this series Rhythms. And, and we talked about this in the first week. Rhythms implies a beat, right? You got to have something consistent in your life. We would say someone consistent in your life that you can follow. You got to have that beat to follow. When you have that beat, then you start adding these different instruments and different flavors and, and things to that, and it mixes together and makes an amazing sound. Can you imagine um, these, uh, these four practices that we're talking about? Um, I, last week we talked about solitude and silence. Today we're going to talk about serving. Um, next week we're going to talk about scripture. And then the, the final week we're going to talk about Sabbath rest. Can you imagine if you just took one of those? Like, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? How do we take all of that and put it together into one thing and have a rhythm and a, and a beat and all that stuff? And how does it come out sounding good? What we need is a conductor, Right? Somebody who we can trust that can, like, guide us through the process. Listen, I'm going to oversimplify the statement, so if you're into music, don't throw things at me, okay? But the, the fundamental difference between the sound that a middle school band makes and a world-class symphony orchestra makes is the conductor, and him teaching them rhythm and beat and when to come in and how, how loud to play, how fast, how slow, how soft. Jesus is our conductor, okay? So you got to have that beat. you got to trust him, right? And so when we trust him, then he can take these individual practices that we're talking about and he can blend them together in our lives and our lives can be a beautiful piece of music. Now, if you don't trust him, 
then you're going to grab the one practice that you like the most, and that's the one you're going to do all the time. So let's just talk about serving for just a second. Serving is like a snare drum. Can you imagine if all we ever heard was a snare drum? Right? We'd be like, shut up. And I'm just, just using serving as an example. If we serve and all we do is serve, we don't have solitude, we don't have silence, there's no abiding with Jesus, we're just serving, and then it's not working, guess what we start to try to do? Serve harder. We beat that snare drum harder. We serve faster. We get in people's faces. And it's just like, stop. You're killing me, right? Because it's, it's only one. We need other pieces, right? So this serving is, listen, it's only one piece, okay? The temptation is to do it better, to do it harder. No. The, the call is, how does it fit into the rhythms that God's giving us, the unforced rhythms of grace? So I would say this to those of you that are here. It's not independent from solitude and silence. It fits in the progression. We get away with the Lord so that we kind of know who we are, and then from that we're able to begin to serve, okay? It's the second piece of this rhythm puzzle that we're building. Let me give it to you like this. Here's the big idea, and then we'll just take a couple minutes and talk through it, and then we're going to pray. We can't be the hands and feet of Jesus if we don't have the heart of the Father. We can't be the hands and feet of the Son if we don't have the heart of the Father, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about what does it look like when we try to be the hands and feet of the Son but don't have the heart of the Father? And then what does it look like when we have the heart of the Father? Okay? Listen, you can't be the hands and feet of the Son if you don't have the heart of the Father. This, the entire song that we just sang about abide, that's John 15, 5. And a big idea. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And he said, you can't be my hands and feet if you don't have my heart. you got to have my heart. How, I'm answering a lot of questions that we'll get to. How do you have the heart of the Father? You hang out with him, right? Like, that's it. How do I have Wendy's heart? Not physically because she died, but you know what I'm saying. Like, how do I have her heart? I hang out with her. We, we hear a song come on, and she's like, oh. and I make a note, Wendy's favorite song, Right? Why are you watching that movie again? Oh, Wendy's favorite movie, right? I mean, I just make these notes. Like, you get to know her heart by being with her. So, so critical. Okay, so here we go. Let's, um, we're going to do the, the bad one first. Here's the first big section. If our hands and feet aren't connected to his heart, please don't get offended. It leads to bitterness, burnout, and brokenness. If your hands and feet are not connected to his heart, it leads to bitterness, burnout, and brokenness. Now, bear with me for just a few moments while I go full-on church on you, okay? So if you weren't raised in church, you're not going to know this passage. But if you were raised in church, you've heard this passage every time somebody preaches about serving and worship. They always go to this passage, okay? So you've heard this from Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 to 42, this is when P Jesus is hanging out with Mary and Martha. And so Mary's at Jesus' feet, and Martha's busy in the kitchen, 
And what this is the passage that every preacher always uses to get people to stop working so hard and try to worship harder. Like, if you would just read this, then you would raise your hands higher in worship. You would close your eyes more. You would sing louder. I mean, this is, that's, but that's not really the point. The point of this story is to show us that, that Martha was being the hands and feet, but she got totally disconnected from the heart of the Father. And so Martha in the kitchen is bitterness, burnout, and brokenness. Just listen to it really quickly. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So Martha's not a bad person. She welcomes Jesus. That's a good thing, okay? We're not throwing off on Martha. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he, had, what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Don't raise your hand, but how many of us in this room right now are like, that's a really good question. She said, tell her to come and help me. So you got to see Martha in the kitchen. Can you just see her fixing the meal and seething? Do you ever get there? Do you ever get there? I'm trying to do something for Jesus. And I'm just so ticked off. Because nobody's helping me. Beat the snare drum harder and louder and faster. Until somebody figures it out. Mary just sitting on her butt. Doing nothing. Like she thinks I think she's in love with Jesus. I know her. I know how Mary is. I mean, listen. I don't want to project on you, but man, that's how people talk sometimes in church. In church, y'all, because we've become bitter. Because we're disconnected from the heart of the Father. And so we just work harder, and it burns us out. And at the end of that, we get broken because we're disconnected from the heart of the Father. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're exactly right. What was I thinking? No. You're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. He didn't say there was only one thing worth doing. He just said there's one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Listen, Jesus wasn't looking at Martha, excuse me, and saying, Martha, could you just be more like Mary? Because they weren't wired the same, right? So this isn't about be a worshiper, not a worker, or be a worker, not a worker. Jesus was looking at Martha saying, Martha, listen, time out. You've forgotten the most important thing. Me. Not doing for me, because she was doing for Jesus. That's a good thing. But being with me. I'm what matters most. Mary figured that out. And I'm not going to take it from her. Man, we do so much for Jesus that sometimes I don't even think we're with him. If your hands and feet aren't connected to his heart, it leads to bitterness, burnout, and brokenness. Have you ever known people who were serving Jesus and were mean about it? I've made up a name. I'm going to say that they have disconnected heart syndrome. 
<laughs> think about this. I'm not trying to be, I'm really not trying to be cute. I'm just trying to make sure you get this. If we try to be the hands and feet of Jesus without being connected to the heart of the Father, we just end up hitting and kicking people. That's all our hands and feet do. Even the good things that we try to do inflict pain on people because our heart is so full of anything but his heart. Hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that? Hurt people hurt people. So what's the answer? The answer is to reconnect so if your hands and feet aren't connected to his heart, the answer is to reconnect. So let's talk about the good stuff, right? What happens if our hands and our feet are connected to his heart? We'll talk about how to reconnect in just a minute. But for right now, let's talk about why. Why would we want to reconnect our heart to the Father? And that's the answer that we find in John 13. In John 13, there's a story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Right? It's a, it's a beautiful picture of service. I mean, you see it all the time. I, I've been a part of foot washing services. Um, when we actually, when we left the service, the, the building up the street and came here, our last service, if you remember, our last service in that building was the elders washing your feet. Because the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And we're like, man, we want to serve you and your feet because you're taking the good news of the gospel to the city in a new location. Now, we're not going to wash your feet this morning. I heard that. I heard y'all. You were like, whew, thank you, Jesus, right? I heard that. Because that's humbling to have your feet washed. But this picture in John 13, it's a beautiful picture of service. I want to say this it's more than just a picture of service, it's also a picture of what happens when our service is connected to God's heart. Okay, let me just show you this. If our hands and feet are connected to the Father's heart, it leads to humility holiness, and happiness, okay? Just jot those three H words down. Humility, holiness, and happiness. It's all going to be right here in John chapter 13. I'm going to show it to you really quickly. Um, here we go. John 13, verses 2 through 5. It says this, It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew, hey, just, sorry, I just, it pops in my mind. You ever been to, like, really awkward family reunions? Everybody's like getting along. It's like super tense. Can you imagine that supper? You're eating supper. You're Jesus, and you know. Like nobody else knows, right? But Jesus is like, dude's going to betray me. Not just that. <clears throat> he has um, already been prompted by Satan, right? Like that's an awkward. Anyway, I thought that was fun, but it was a total waste of a minute. I'm sorry. They didn't even come with me on that. I'm not sure they're going to go there. I don't even know what's going to happen, but, yeah, I thought it was good. Okay, so, anyway, verse 3. You're like, just shut up and read the Bible. <laughs> Wendy's like, yes. Like, that's exact. Like, I don't even know what to do now. Like, this is what you married. I'm so sorry. <laughs> now she's like, did I say it out loud? Yes, you did. My wife is like, that's what, exactly what I was thinking. Shut up and read the Bible. Anyway, here we go. So verse 3. <clears throat> wow, we will still be married. We're in it for the long haul, right? So it's all <laughs> Oh, boy, I just snorted. That's fun. Anyway, okay, so John 13, verse 3. Here's what it says. Jesus knew 
that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now, we'll come back and talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but what I want you to see is that's a picture of humility. Oh, my goodness. The Lord of all creation got down and washed his disciples' feet. Why? Well, verse 3, is we'll come back to that, because Jesus knew a lot of things that only come from being connected to the heart of the Father. So when you're connected to the heart of the Father, it leads to humility. Now, look at verses 8 and 9, Peter's reaction. <laughs> Peter's fun. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Like, he didn't just say never, right? Never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Can I just say this? I believe that's a picture of holiness. I believe holiness is an all-in moment. When we say, oh, I don't, I, don't want it. I don't know if I want all that. And then Jesus says, well, if you don't have all of it, you don't get any of it. Oh, then without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. I want all of you. So whatever it takes, Lord. If we think of holiness as like a monk, right, or a nun, or you have to wear a tie and like whatever. We, we picture like holiness as some thing that only a few people achieve. Holiness is just a heart attitude that says, whatever you want from me, God, I'll take it. Whatever you ask of me, I'll give it. I'll do whatever I, I, I want all of you. Nothing to keep me from you. So I'm going to remove every barrier in my life between me and you. That's holiness. So what are your barriers? I don't know. Apparently my barrier is like not reading Scripture enough. I, what's your barrier? Is it the Panthers? Is it the Hornets? It can't be the Hornets. They're irrelevant. <laughs> I just said that in a microphone. Holy cow. They're never going to ask me to be the chaplain. Is it shopping? Is it, is it things you buy? Is it the beach? Is it? a boat I don't know what it is and it's like see we, we try to mandate holiness well whatever I think your barrier is you better get rid of it holiness comes from within holiness comes from abiding with God with Jesus and he starts to put his finger on things in your life and say you know what if if that was gone we could eat even closer and and Peter that's what he experienced well not just my feet my head my hands all of me God just just watch all of me that's holiness. And when you're connected to the heart of the Father, it leads to holiness. And then happiness, let's talk through that really quickly because a lot of you are struggling with even the fact that a pastor would claim that you could be happy. So John chapter 13, verse 17 says this, now that you know these things, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So he's washed their feet. He's humbled himself. We've seen a picture of holiness. And then Jesus says, listen, I'm not just doing this so you can have a great last supper with me. I'm setting you an example. So as I've washed your feet, you also should wash each other's feet. And don't you know there were awkward glances when he said that? They're like, like right now? I don't want to touch Peter's feet, dude. Peter is nasty. And Jesus said this, now that you know these things, great, that's the whole point of church. It was a great sermon. You took really good notes. See ya. Is that what it says? God will bless you for doing them. That word blessed 
in the Greek means happy. But we did a series. It'd be well worth going back on our website and finding it. We did a series up in the other space called Blessed. And I remember the first, we kicked the whole thing off with the song Happy. It was great. God really does want you to be happy. We just define happiness as stuff that I buy, stuff that I get will make me feel a certain way. And Jesus says, no, happiness is actually when you know the truth and do it. That makes you happy. So here's, here's God's formula for spiritual joy in your life. Submit to the Father. We talked about that last week, that solitude, right? Keep your life clean, holiness. That comes from Scripture. We'll talk about that next week. I have hidden your, heart, your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then serve others. Those are the rhythms that God wants for you and for me. Solitude, Scripture, serving. All right, good so far? All right, we're at the critical part of the sermon where you got to get your pens out and write down some takeaways, okay? I've got three takeaways that I prepared for you and then one fourth one that God dropped on me this morning after we made the slides, okay? So here, let's just go ahead and go to that first takeaway. Just put that first, that service, there it is right there. So I've got them all up there. Some of them are grayed out because I knew you might need extra time to write them all down, okay? So let's just start at the top. Some takeaways about serving and staying connected. Here's number one. Serving isn't more important than your soul. I'm going to say it again because depending on how long you've been in church, you might think what I just said is not true. Serving is not more important than your soul. We say this a lot at our church because we mean it. Who you are means a lot more to us than what you do. Who you are means a lot more to God than what you do. He's always going to work inside. I'm I was thinking of um, slogans that you should never hear in church when it comes to people serving. At the top of the list, suck it up, buttercup. Right? God, you want to hit people when they say that to you? I'll give you something to suck up, right? It's like crazy. And I shouldn't even, why am I, I'm not worthy to hold the mic the way I'm talking today. I'm sorry, honey. Let's turn to scripture. No, I'm just kidding. Um, His advice it's not suck it up buttercup. His advice, we read it earlier, is this. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. So if you're here and like you're just, I'm doing this serving thing and it's, my soul is weary and I've got nothing left. But I'm, I'm going to suck it up and do it. And nobody's going to tell me I quit. Then what he would say to you is, get away with me and you'll recover your life. Because you're losing your life. Serving that way. That leads to burnout. If we don't feel connected, if you don't feel connected, remembering is the way to reconnect. Remembering how much you need Jesus. I love that from Peter. Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. So I'm not even in that moment thinking about who I can serve. I'm just like, holy cow, I need you, Jesus. Wash all of me. Some of us have forgotten how much we need Jesus. A couple verses for you. Um, 3 John, verse 2. There's only one chapter in that letter. 3 John, verse 2. says this, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Depending on the version that you have, it will say something like this. I pray that you would prosper even as your soul prospers. God's always about the inside first, right? He's always about the inside first. 
John chapter 13, verse 3. We just read this a minute ago, but I want to just highlight it for you if I can really quickly. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Here's what we see in Jesus. Check this out. He knew his authority, he knew his identity, and he knew his destiny. Do you? Do you know your authority? Do you know your identity? Do you know your destiny? I'm telling you, the best place to serve is out of a place that knows those three things. So Jesus knew all that, and then he could risk the rejection from his disciples when he started to wash their feet. Because if they rejected that act, he wasn't rejected because he knew who he was. How, do you, how did Jesus know who he was? Do you remember last week? How many verses did we read about Jesus? Early in the morning, slipped away. The crowd went that way. Jesus went that way, right? He was always getting along with the Father. Always getting along with the Father. He served from a place of soul prosperity. He wants us to do that as well. So serving isn't more important than your soul. That's a big takeaway. And this is a big risk, right, on our part. It's very, well, but what if today everybody that's a servant leader said, I'm out. My God's still faithful because he loves, he loves the people of Albemarle, right? He loves you. He's not, he's not up in heaven going, oh, God, what if they quit? What would I, oh, oh me, what would I do then, right? He, he's got figured out. He wants your soul to prosper. Here's takeaway number two. Are y'all okay? Okay, I don't want you to throw things at me because this is, this is some hard-hitting stuff, okay? But I want to make sure you get it. Here's number two. Serving isn't a favor for God. It's an honor for us. That's so critical. Now, listen, just church speak, right? So if you're kind of, it's your first time in a church, you're like, what's the big deal? I would love to serve. I, I know, but when, the longer you serve in church or in any organization, at your school where you teach, it's not just about spiritual stuff. The longer you serve, you almost begin to feel like you're doing them a favor by showing up. Even if what you show up and do is lousy work, you feel like you're doing them a favor. Don't, don't, question, my, don't question what I'm giving you. I'm here, aren't I? What? Read the Gospels and find any time that Jesus applauded that attitude. Serving is not a favor that we do for God. It's an honor he lets us do. It literally is an honor for me to hold this mic and preach to you this morning. This is not a burden. This is an honor. And, and I know you're listening to it and you're like, yeah, because you ain't doing us no favors. <laughs> Get out. Okay. A couple verses for you on this one, Okay. Um, Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says in the New Living Translation, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. In other translations, it says outdo one another in showing honor. If you're a competitive person, that would be a good game to play. Oh, I'm going to show you more honor than you show me. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to outdo you. Oh, no, you're not. Wouldn't that be great if the body of Christ was always competing in how much honor we could show each other? That'd be awesome. That'd be fantastic. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do. See that word willingly? That was critical, right? Work willingly at whatever you do. As though you're working for the Lord rather than for people. Third takeaway. People who serve people remind people of Jesus. 
People who serve people remind people of Jesus. Now, check this out. Hang with me. I'm not going to preach heresy. I want to make sure you stick with me, okay? Acts chapter 10, verse 38, says that Jesus went around doing good. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. When's the last time you walked up to somebody, whether you knew that they loved Jesus or not, and you saw them doing good, and you said this. This is going to sound crazy, but you remind me of Jesus. Now, if they don't love Jesus, what are they going to do? Do what? Of who? Well, you remind me of Jesus. I see you doing good. And the Bible says that Jesus went around doing good. People who serve people remind people of Jesus. You remind people of Jesus when you serve them. I want to remind people of Jesus. I want people to look at my life and go, you look like somebody. Who is it? Oh, Jesus. Not because I say the right things, but because we do the right things. All right, so here we go. We've got to wrap this thing up. Um, let me give you the fourth takeaway. It's not going to be on the screen, so I'll repeat it a couple times, and then we'll talk through this. Serving is a current investment in a coming kingdom. Serving is a current investment in a coming kingdom. Now, let me talk through that. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The Greek phrase for at just the right time literally means there's a specific time. Like we're going to keep doing this until we hit. There's a God-ordained time that is the right time in your life for him to give you the blessing that you've been sowing into. That's powerful, right? It also can be a little bit frustrating because you're like, I want that time to be now. I mean now. No, now, right? It's his time, not your time. But the promise is if we keep serving, if we keep doing good and we don't give up, there will come a time when we will reap a harvest. So all, all of these things that we've been given, 1 Peter 4.10 would say that they are gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You just picture God up in heaven. I got all these gifts. Let's see. I'm going to give Wendy this one, and I'm going to give all of them to Wendy. Ani, you get a couple here, and Jan, it's five for you, and oh, you're going to need this one here, and I just, he's giving out gifts all across the body, right? And then we say, oh, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. What, what do I do with these? And he says, use them. Serve one another. Outdo each other as you serve. Hey, you're not just serving. You're investing today in my coming kingdom. You're investing in how I want to bring heaven to earth. And when you go about doing good and you remind people of Jesus, they want to know more about my kingdom. So what you're doing is actually an investment in what I want to do in the future. Don't stop. Don't quit because I promise you there is a return coming on your investment. And if God could say anything to the church this morning, this is what he would say. Do not be Ronald Wayne. Everybody say who? Ronald Wayne. You ain't never heard of Ronald Wayne? Have you heard of Steve Jobs? Steve Wozniak? Did you know that Ronald Wayne 
was the original third founder of Apple? Huh, I didn't either. I was like, God, I need a closing story. And then I read this devotion that mentioned this guy, and I was like, I've never heard this story. This is crazy. Ronald Wayne was 40 years old in 1976, 40-ish, and the other Steves were like 20-ish. And they asked him to come on board at Apple and help them write out, like, structure documents and how things would run and kind of help them have some older wisdom. And they had no money because they were just getting started out. And so they said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, we don't have any money, but how about if we just make you a 10% owner? And he was like, sweet. Twelve days later, he sold that share to them for $800. Because he... <laughs> <laughs> so 12 days in, he wrote himself out of the agreement, took the $800, and went and started to try, try to make money in slot machines. Today, that man's worth $300,000. Now, I read that and go, dang, that's a lot of money. The only problem is 10% of Apple today is worth $90 billion. But he got 800. God says this. You're going to invest in something. Everybody invests in something. You've got time. You've got talents. You've got resources. You've got money. You're investing all of that somewhere. Invest it in something that will give you the best return. Galatians 6, 9, again, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. This is the foundation. If, if God was talking to you and he was saying, listen, I want you to be a server. I want you to spend time with me in solitude and silence. I want you to know who you are. And from that place of knowing who you are, I want you to begin to serve the world and the body. I want you to, what he's saying is, I want you to invest your life. Invest your life in serving. Okay, God, I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it. Paul told this awesome story. I heard 90 billion, so I'm kind of interested. But what exactly, I mean, what do I know I'm going to get as a result of this? And Jesus would say, well, you're going to help me grow my kingdom. I know, but I'm not sure that's enough. I mean, I'm just being honest, right? I don't know if helping you grow your kingdom is going to help me at night when I'm tired. And here's what Jesus would say, Proverbs 11:25. This is the promise when we invest in the kingdom. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Not maybe, not might be, but they will be. When you invest your life in serving, you will be refreshed. Now, I love that we're talking about this today. Because you know what we're going to need over there? I'm going to say one, two, three, and you say we're going to need one, two, three. Now, if you said servers, you're wrong. What I need over there, what God needs over there, are people that are committed to being with Jesus, abiding in the vine. Because the natural outflow of that life is service. 
We don't need people to suck it up buttercup and serve. Because that's hands and feet that are disconnected from the heart of the Father. And we'll just welcome people to our new space by slapping them in the face. It's not what, that's not what he calls us to do. He's calling us. This is not a, sir, this is not a message to get you to sign a, a volunteer card. This is a message to remind you of how important it is to be connected to the heart of the Father. And when we're connected to the heart of the Father, I'm telling you, service just happens. Connecting to God's heart will turn all of us into Chick-fil-A employees, right? We'll be like, my pleasure in everywhere we go. You know, like, like go driving, you'll like pay some per- somebody for parking in a parking deck, and you'll hand them the money, they'll say thank you, and you'll be like, my pleasure. And you'll walk off, you'll drive off going like, did I just tell them it was my pleasure to pay them? What in the world? You'll just, that'll be who you are. It's just, it's our pleasure to serve. It's an honor to serve. It's just what we do. Because serving is a current investment in the coming kingdom. Now, here's how we're going to close this morning. Uh, y'all want to, you want to come? That was so smooth, wasn't it? Like, I, yeah, no. Like pastors and, and worship, they're always working on like, how do we do the, the I thing? We, we just do stuff like, this would be a good time. Come on, y'all. Here's how I'm going to close this morning. Uh, and y'all do it every song you want, right? Um, I mean, Sweet Home Alabama. You know, whatever. Just su- surprise us. I know. You're just like, read the scriptures. I know. I, I, I get it. I mean, you're making, you're giving me the, she's communicating with her eyes right now. I promise you that. If you've, if you're here this morning, and I know that not everybody's here, but if you're here this, oh, wait a second. Let's, of course. <laughs> So, thank you. I'm selling shares right now for $800. Um, I'm an idiot. Of course you're here this morning. What? If you're here this morning. Um, those of you that are here this morning and you've served on a, a ministry team, um, especially in the season that we've been in this place, would you stand? They're already standing. They're already standing. Now, This is not to make you feel bad if you're still sitting, okay? That's the other way people recruit. That's not the kingdom. This is an opportunity for you, if you're sitting, to honor those that have been serving you for the last two some odd years. So would you just stand next to somebody who's standing, and would you put your hand on their shoulder? And we're going to end this morning praying for the people who've been serving you. Um, if we got people that are willing to travel to pray, um, we got some people at the door that would love to have. Y'all stay where you are. They'll come to you. You're good. They'll come to you. Awesome. This is always so fun because if you're new to our church, you're like, this is so weird. They actually touch each other, which came out so wrong. I heard it in my head when I said it, but I didn't mean it like that. We're moving, (laughs) y'all. Hallelujah. Anyway, we just, listen, we love each other. And the last thing that I want is, I I mentioned this to in a leadership meeting yesterday. The last thing I want is for us to have a church of people who think that everything happens because a magic fairy just 
puts magic pixie dust on stuff, and oh, wow, the chairs are set up, and oh, wow. It, no, none of that happens by magic. It happens because people actually serve. The people that you're standing with right now actually have served you. And the beautiful thing about the kingdom is when people serve us, it tends to change our heart a little bit, and then we're like, how can I get in on that? Because not because you see a need, see a need, meet a need, like whether you like it or not, suck it up, buttercup, not that. It's because their service to you is the heart of the Father. This is what the Father does. He serves. He sent his Son to serve us. And when we're touched by that kind of service, it ignites something in us. And so if you're here this morning, man, and we get done praying, man, I want to, I want to be standing next time. Sweet. We'll help you do that. But the biggest question this morning is being connected to his heart. And so as I pray, will you pray for the person that you're standing with? That God would just do what he said in Proverbs 11.25. He would refresh the one who has refreshed you. And then we'll close this morning and season out with a worship song. Father, what an honor it is to serve you and to serve your body. And I am so blessed to pastor the gathering. I'm so blessed to pastor a people who would willingly give of themselves, who would invest even when it seems to not make sense, who would not sell the shares, the opportunity to invest and spend it on something else that won't last, but instead would take those shares Invest them in your kingdom with every single act of service. It's just another investment in your kingdom. And we thank you that Galatians 6, 9 is true. That there will be a time, unique time to everyone that stood when they will reap a harvest in their lives for what they've done. And you know what, God? I, I mean, drop $90 billion on me right now, I wouldn't complain. But the stuff we're working for is worth so much more than that. I believe that what we have sown in service in this place, we will reap in a harvest of souls in the next. And so I pray over these servant leaders that as they have refreshed others, they themselves would be refreshed. In your name, Jesus.